Hello there, and welcome back to the Boundless Podcast. I am your host, Ashley Rayner Rath, and I am just immensely happy you're here today. Last episode, we chatted about finding perspective and purpose in the waiting, and I hope that it reminded you that you are not alone. If you missed it, definitely take the 20 minutes to go back and listen and leave a review if it speaks to you. I absolutely love reading what you guys get out of each episode. Um, This week, we are getting to know our enemy. In a little mini series, The Enemy 101. Today's episode is The Enemy 101 Spiritual Warfare. Uh, it might get a little heated because I um, am super passionate about sharing this. So if something goes over your head or if you have questions or you need clarification, please reach out to me on Instagram at Ashley underscore on purpose and I will do my very best to help. Um, so if you don't know by now, let me be the first to tell you that you have an enemy. As sure as you have a heavenly father who cares for you and is jealous for you and is working all things for good for you, you have an enemy of your soul who hates you, is jealous of you, and is constantly working to turn you away from God. He wants you focused on things that do not have eternal value. He wants you so busy and burdened with worry or anxiousness or regret or fear that you forget whose you are. To understand the enemy that is Satan or the devil... I need you to understand something crucial. Okay, if this is your first time talking about this or hearing about this, I first want you to hear me say, do not be afraid of this conversation. You are so loved and protected, and I prayed very intentionally before recording, and also I will pray again before pushing the publish button on this episode. Um, So this convo is fully protected, my friend, okay? Full on protected. What I'm here to do is to expose him so that you can see his ways and then help show you how you are equipped by God to stand against his schemes. In fact, I'm going to refer you immediately right off the bat in the first one minute of this episode to Ephesians where it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Then like a little further down, it says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So it's right there. You are able to resist him and you are able to stand against his schemes. So there's no need to be afraid. In fact, that's actually what he wants. Um, And this world is really good at making that happen. I mean, turn on the TV for like one second and you'll see representations of him, um, representations of him and his evil that are meant to scare you. But remember, the enemy is just like any other bully out there. He needs you scared in order to have any power over you. And the second that you decide that you're not scared and you're actually standing in the authority of Christ is the second you take that power back. Okay, so the crucial thing I need you to understand before we get going for real in part two of this episode about how to armor up against him, um, I need you to understand that we are physical beings, but we are living amongst a spiritual world we cannot see with our eyes. I often tell my friends when they call me or ask me for advice that there are two places a circumstance or a problem or a feeling or an event can come from. It can come from God or it can come from the enemy. Um, again, in Ephesians, Ephesians 12 says it pretty clearly um, says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So there is a spiritual battle happening all around you. It's happening when you're arguing with your spouse. It's happening when you are worshiping at church. It's happening when the lady in the Trader Joe's checkout line is pissing you off. It's it's happening when you are tempted to respond to hate 
with more hate. And it's even happening right now as you're listening to this podcast, because the enemy of your soul only has a goal that involves three things. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your hope, kill your dreams, kill your spirit to seek God, steal your joy. He wants to steal the promise of eternal life that God paid for with Jesus's blood. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to destroy your family, destroy your relationships, destroy your marriage. The list goes on. For most of my life, it was impossible for me to see that spiritual battle happening around me because let's face it, if I can't see it with my own eyes, how can I know it's there, right? So when I'm feeling anxious or angry, or I want to literally punch someone in the face because they're being some type of way, right? I cannot be the only one. Listen, I'm just here to be real. Uh, you're not so perfect believer over here. Um, that's just normal, right? That's just because that person deserves it and they don't deserve kindness from me, right? Wrong. Also, so when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was full of anger and resentment and bitterness and decided for a split second that God couldn't possibly be good if this was happening to me, that's just normal. That's just understandable because I should be mad and distant and angry, right? Wrong. So when my husband is closed off and responding to me in anger and his words are like daggers, like mine can be too, I promise it's not him only, it's me as well. I should definitely put my metaphorical fists up and show him exactly who he thinks he's talking to, right? Wrong. Our God is a God of kindness, mercy, forgiveness, a God of grace. The enemy wants pain, anger. He wants distance, grudges. He wants hate. So you tell me which one is winning the battle if I choose to respond in those ways. When I'm fighting with my husband, I'm not fighting with my husband. Somebody needs to hear this right now. When you're fighting with your husband, you're not fighting with your husband. When you're fighting with your mom, you're not fighting with your mom. I'm fighting the enemy of my soul and the enemy of his soul who is so intimidated and so frantic and panicky about how powerful we are for the kingdom of Christ when we're a team and when we're on the same page that he pushes defensiveness and bitterness into my husband's spirit, or at least gives him ample opportunity and temptations to choose those things when we communicate. And he puts temptation of stubbornness and a sharp tongue in front of me. And he knows they look real good to me in that moment. But let me tell you about the complete transformation that has happened, not only in my spirit or my marriage, but in my entire life. When I started to fight my battles on my knees in prayer, y'all, it is undeniable. I dare you to stop and pray, even if it's a silent prayer in your mind. The next time you're arguing with someone that you share faith with, watch God on his throne in that moment. Bottom line here is that there is spiritual war happening around you, whether you're a believer or not. But it does get more intense and more intentional on the enemy's part when you decide to start seeking God or further your relationship with God or when you hear a conviction of the Holy Spirit about an area of your life that needs to change. The enemy immediately mobilizes the troops because he sees you getting closer to that door God placed in front of you. And he's calling all hands on deck to block your view or to distract you or tempt you to fall off the path God has set you on. I would love to tell you, like really just love in my heart, <laughs> to tell you that it gets easier when you become more faithful. And in some ways it does, but mostly no 
Um, the enemy's attempts get more personal. He gets a little more creative. His voice gets louder, right? God always whispers because he don't need to yell. But the enemy's voice gets louder. His schemes seem like they're on a 24-hour loop and he just don't quit. But take heart because God says, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. That's in Revelation 3. So following Christ, it ain't for the faint of heart, okay? And if you start off that way, faint of heart, God will give the enemy a little inch to put something in front of you so that you can see it. You can conquer it with God's authority or at least have a choice to. Um, and then if you do conquer it with God's authority, then build trust in him and come out stronger on the other end. But that requires your faith. It requires you to recognize that this thing, the enemy thinks that he's getting a chance to take you down with, God is actually about to use for your good. I'm not saying that people don't ever fall victim to the enemy's scheme in some ways. We're actually all in bondage because of him right now. Trust me. Um, we won't fully be free from him until we get to leave this fallen world. But God asks us to fight while we are here. And he also asks us to pray for those who do not see the enemy's ways. And I am praying on a daily basis for so many people who don't see the ways of the enemy and the bondage that he has them in or the way that they are being misled. Um, so I'm going to give you three tactics that show up for me in my life over and over and over that I know for a fact are schemes and tools of the enemy. So there's so many and they might be different for you um, in your life, but these are the main three that I have seen over and over and over and fallen for over and over and over. So I figured I would share my experience. Um, okay. So the number one of these three tactics is isolation. Isolation. The enemy wants you alone. He wants you feeling alone. He wants you physically alone, alone and thinking that you can't tell anyone or share what you're going through. He wants you thinking you're the only one going through this, that you're the only one struggling or in pain or that you can't possibly share this uh, with anyone because it will hurt too badly or it will push them away or it's embarrassing or no one wants to hear that or there's no hope that things will change. This is a huge one for me. Like isolation is real for me on a regular basis. I'll make a huge move to get close to God or I'll address a foundational issue in my marriage and start to bring it towards the light. And all of a sudden I'm feeling homesick and far away and lonely and I don't have the energy to answer the phone. Like when my friends call or when my mom calls me every day and it hurts too much to talk to my family at home or I feel like I can't share my pain with them because I don't want to bother them. What a coincidence in that timing, huh? No, 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 no. There are no coincidences. Uh, it's on purpose. Recognize when you're isolating. Pray for God to release you from that stronghold in the name of Jesus and place the blame where it belongs. Nothing's wrong with you. It is the enemy's best weapon. Getting you alone ensures that nobody reminds you whose you are. Nobody will speak life over you. Nobody prays over you. Nobody sits with you and shares the weight of the load. Uh, in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, it says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has special functions, so it is with Christ's body, meaning us. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Mm, I love that verse. 
We're not meant to do this life alone. Listen to me. If you are in a season of isolation or you are isolating yourself right now, hear my voice. You are not alone and you are so loved. And please, 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 I pray that you reach out to someone, anyone. The second you do that is the second the enemy takes an L and loses that grip that he has on you right now. You can, in fact, stand in the authority of Christ and fight back. I know what it feels like to feel lonely. I know what it feels like to literally sit there writhing in emotional pain from feeling isolated and alone. And I also know what it feels like the moment that I decide to take that power back and I decide to actually lock arms with my brothers and sisters in Christ, share it with one person, the enemy flees. He's gone, long gone. It's almost an instant, the snap of a finger. Because that is a superpower. That is a superpower that the Lord has given us. That is a mercy that the Lord has given us, is each other. Okay, number two tactics of the enemy. False idols. Okay, this is a biggie. And this is something I have dealt with and fought against for years and years and years. False idols. Sounds intense, right? A lot of people think that false idols means like openly and obviously like worshiping someone or something else besides God. And yes, that is true. But the enemy is capable of a much more sneaky subtlety than that. A false idol is anything you are placing in the seat where only God belongs. I've been in seasons where I've made my relationships sit in that seat where only God belongs. Seasons where it's been my career, uh, seasons where it's been my physical health. God shut that one down real quick. Maybe for you, it is TV over time with God. Maybe it's the gym over time in the word. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm not saying don't go to the gym. I'm saying don't place those things in priority over God or time in his word. Maybe it's horoscopes as a guiding light in your life instead of what God says about you. Maybe it's scrolling mindlessly on your phone for hours instead of taking 10 minutes to pray. Woo! The enemy uses that phone as a distraction. It's like so easy for him. It's crazy. Be alert and be aware of what you're consuming on that thing. We'll talk about that next, uh, next part of the episode. Sometimes I can't see it, but it can even be your family. I've been there where my life and my priorities went family then God. Family is the most important thing. And again, don't hear me wrong. Family is extremely important, but it's not more important than God. For some, it can be a celebrity. Oh my gosh, please be careful there. Humans are not God and they never will be. And if you're placing your hope and your faith in a human, you will always be misled, even and especially if that human is yourself. Ooh, yep. Someone needed to hear that. There's a reference to idols in Revelation that is super clear for me for some reason. It's just like, a, it's just blunt and clear. So I'm going to read it. It says, but the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Listen, I hope you know how hard it is for me, and I hope you know how uncomfortable it is for me to speak up on this, and I hope you know I'm only doing it because I love you that 
much. And he really, more importantly, he loves you that much that he is pushing me so far out of my comfort zone. And he's pushing me to do something I am so uncomfortable doing, talking about. Um, he loves you that much. And I love you that much that I'd rather you hear this from me now and be mad at me now then get to the day where you see his face and wonder why I never told you anything. So if you are praying to crystals or placing your hope in objects or rituals or energies, otherwise unnamed that are not centered around God, the one true God, not the universe, not the source, not the moon or the stars in which he created, but him, then my friend, you are treading in dangerous waters and it is not too late to turn to him. The enemy is the king of this fallen world right now. And he is making it so easy for people who do not know God to fall into this trap. He says, it's like really cool right now to be into like new age stuff that can place quote unquote power in the hands of a human or have you believing that you are the one conjuring up prosperity and good fortune in your life. But remember in the beginning when I said that there's two sources, it's either from God or it's from the enemy. If you aren't praying to God's authority, if you aren't being blessed by God or using him as your compass or your North star in life, then where do you think you're conjuring these things from? Maybe you'll find yourself with more money or more worldly success, or maybe you'll find yourself with more followers or more physical abundance because that is what the enemy has the authority to give you, but you will not feel the fullness that is being whole in Christ. You will not have the abundance of his peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes, maybe you'll find some temporary relief or progress, but I'm here fighting for your eternity. And so is God. You will not find an eternal promise or boundless grace or mercy in anything other than Jesus. And trust me, you do not want to live without his grace or mercy because imagine if our lives, what they would look like if we actually got what we deserved in this world. So if you've tried to seek God before and you found you were met with trials and tribulation right away, instead of whatever it is that you were expecting, that was the enemy. He saw one of the souls that he already had in the palm of his hands get up and start walking towards that door. And he said, oh, crap, I better throw some stuff at her so she comes back to me. And you aren't the only one. It is promised to us as believers. Along with the promise of eternal glory <laughs> at his feet and forgiveness for all of the baloney we do wrong and peace in the times where peace would never show up without him and protection from the enemy and this indescribable embrace of the Lord when he comforts you. Please, please don't let the temporary trials in exchange for an eternal promise lead you to chase a temporary richness in exchange for eternal suffering. Whew. That one, that one right there. Okay. Number three, fear, Woo, fear. If the enemy had a crown, fear would be that bright red, shiny ruby right in the center. He wants you scared. He wants you so scared and fearful that you are paralyzed. He wants you paralyzed from moving forward into whatever God is calling you to do. 
when I was finally finished with like all my cancer treatments, all the chemo, all the radiation, all of the days where I was genuinely just fighting to survive that 24 hour period, um, I was told I was done and I could go live my life now. Not a split second after I felt the relief and freedom of being done, did I feel the intense weight of fear. So here I was given a literal second chance at life, saved physically and spiritually by Christ the King and frozen in fear, fear of the future, frozen by the enemy. There were months where I decided I wasn't going to make any plans for my future. I wasn't going to pursue a calling. I wasn't going to invest my time or my energy into any one avenue. Even when I felt God was asking me to do that because I was afraid it would all be taken away from me again in the snap of a finger. Can you see that example? Can you see in that example how fear was in my way? How I was fearful and frozen. So I was literally missing out on all the good things because I was afraid that they'd be taken from me. I was choosing to not have them at all over having them and feeling them and experiencing that joy and possibly losing them. Are there areas of your life where you are letting the fear tactics of the enemy keep you in quicksand? Okay, let me ask you these questions to kind of get you thinking about where that could be showing up in your life. So are you afraid of failure? You got something on your heart and you're not moving forward because you're afraid you're not going to do it right or you're going to fail. Can you kind of see that that might be <laughs> is definitely the enemy recognizing that you're about to walk forward and he's standing in front of you? So that all you're focusing on is the possibility of failure and not the possibility that this could actually work or that God actually knows what he's doing in your life. Maybe you're afraid of success. I have this one. Maybe you're afraid you can't handle whatever success looks like on the other side. Well, here's the truth of that. Once you get to your success or on the way to your success, as long as you're aligned with the Lord, he's going to prune you into being the person that can handle whatever's coming your way. He ain't going to give you stuff. If you can't handle it, and if you can't handle it, he's going to make sure that you are pruned into the person that can before you get there. Or maybe while you're getting there, or he'll catch you up after. You're going to be okay. Okay, are you afraid to make plans or to put yourself out there and be vulnerable or to have a hard conversation? Are you afraid to ask for help? Are you afraid to leave a toxic situation? Here's the thing. God did not give us the spirit of fear. Mm -mm -mm. He gave us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. If you're feeling like your moves are centered around fear, stop right now and recognize that the thing you're afraid of is not the enemy. Satan is your enemy. And he's trying to convince you that God won't stand in that gap for you and carry you to where you're supposed to be. He wants you frozen and stuck and lost and waiting forever and ever and ever on someone to come rescue you. When in reality, God has already sent out his army. Hello, I'm here. I'm Ashley. I'm as one of his soldiers. And he wants me sitting right here right now telling you that you can overcome this fear and you can trust him and you can step forward. Move, move. He's already mapped out your escape plan but he needs you to do the walking. He'll do the heavy lifting and he already is, but you have to do the walking. You have to make the moves forward. You have to tell the enemy he's wasting his time and he's wasting his breath on you because you're the child of the one true king. And you're a force to be reckoned with and angel armies fight on your behalf. 
Don't fall for the fear tactics. Recognize where fear is from and take that power back. I'm going to give you this scripture to wrap up part one of this episode because it gives me strength when I read it and when I hear it. So I'm hoping it does the same thing for you. It's Joshua 1.9. I hereby command you. Mm, I'm going to back up. I'm just going to, I need a second. I hereby command you. Can you just like visualize? I'm such a visual person. Can you just like close your eyes and visualize the Lord? The Lord standing in front of you saying, I hereby command you. What kind of energy is behind that when he's talking? He didn't say, would you, would you mind? No. He said, I command you, child. I'm going to sit up. I'm going to listen. I'm going to do whatever the heck he's saying after he says something like that. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. That gets me. That gets me. And I hope it gets you. I hope you feel the spirit behind that verse and behind what he has called you to do. It is not to be frightened, but to be strong and courageous. So in part two of this little enemy 101 series, I'll break down how you can access the armor of God and seriously protect and defend yourself against the enemy and also use your one offensive weapon to fire back at him. So be sure to stay tuned for part two and to stay up to date on all things of the boundless podcast, follow us on IG at the boundless pod. And as always, I dare you to look for how God's boundless grace is covering you this week. I promise. I promise it is.